Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Here with Mike Chark, we're going to talk about uh, what it means to be a dealer, what it used to mean, what it means now. Is it different for Canada as opposed to uh, the United States? We're just going to bat that around for, for your listening pleasure. But thanks, sponsors, making it possible. Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Compsy.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions. And then, of course, the card companies that if there weren't any card companies, we wouldn't have a lot to talk about. So thank you, Panini, Upper Deck, and Top. So welcome back, Mike. We're going to talk about what the connotation is when you say the word dealer. Most people start out being collectors, but I can remember back in the day, and you're younger than me, but you were you go way back. People were collectors and sort of dealers because they would buy, sell, trade. Is that your recollection? And welcome to the show. Thanks again for having me. It's a pleasure. I, I, I'm... The word dealer just seems to have a negative connotation, and I'm not sure why, because I think a lot of collectors have a lot of their stuff because of dealers. Dealers tend to be the ones that are, will, like a collector might buy one card, but a dealer will buy a thousand cards. A collector doesn't need a thousand cards. You need the dealer to have the inventory to feed your collection. And I, I think at the beginning, like you say, it was very different. There wasn't the monetary, monetary was not the prime motivation, collecting was. And, but there was always a, when you were buying it, you wanted to get it at a great price. When you were selling it, you wanted to get the most you could. And somewhere in the middle, that just, it, it, I guess it changed when values started to rise. But I'm still not hearing a negative connotation. Basically, if a, a woman said, my husband is a car dealer, they would think it's a automobile yeah. <laughs> and i don't know if that's where the terminology comes from but you go down to the car lot and the the car dealer has a whole bunch of cars for sale or for lease let's just say for sale and uh, that car dealer back in the day knows a lot more about the value of the car than the than the the purchaser they go down and make a deal and the the uh, collect, not a car collector necessarily but the person that wants a car buys the one car and the dealer uh, keeps all the others on the lot so i'm wondering if it came from that but like i said uh, i'm not hearing uh, real negative there in the sense that if somebody wants to be an investor uh, a pure investor in this hobby or wants to be a pure collector in this hobby Again, I think those are rare. I think it's most people are in between that they're they might mainly buy and sell or mainly collect, but it's hard to be a collector if you're never going to sell. You got to keep coming up with more money. That's not exactly cash flow uh, neutral if you keep buying cards. On the other hand, if you sell occasionally, doesn't make you a full time dealer, but you enjoy the the back and forth. Is that what you're saying? I, I think these days everybody buys and sells, and I'm using it from my personal experience. When I go and look at a collection. I often get asked, am I reselling it? Am I a dealer? People don't, people would, they, they sense to, they would rather deal, they want to think they're selling it to somebody that's going to appreciate it, that it's okay. going to a good home, that's going to love it. And listen, I hope sometimes that's true. I think dealers help facilitate that. My point is that often people are, are disingenuous. They're, they're, they are not collecting it. They are buying it to resell. And they go along with that notion because it makes it, if you are a collector, it seems pure and whole. And if you're a dealer, it seems like you're out to cheat people. That, that's, okay, but isn't this discussion we're having proportional to the size of the collection that's for sale? If it's a large collection, is the, are you saying the seller is, is wanting you to assure them that you're going to take all these cards for your own collection? You're not going to resell any of them? Nowadays, the, a lot of the activity is card by card. If I'm buying a card and I tell somebody it's for my collection, then I, I should be telling the truth. I shouldn't say, hey, give me a good deal because I want it for my collection. And then I flip it 
and I realize that's happened, but uh, I'm guessing that shouldn't be that common, do you think? See, Jim, I know you want to keep the podcast light, and uh, but don't you think a lot of people, see, I think people still call this a hobby. It's not a hobby. It hasn't been a hobby for a very long time. We're, we're, I, I just think people in this, in this business are rarely honest with each other. Not, not a friendly kind of thing, but I just think when you go into a, a store to buy your dinner, you're going to pay a certain amount of money for a steak. When you're going to buy a baseball card, it's a, piece of, it's a piece of cardboard with a photo on it. It's worth what someone will pay. And when someone doesn't have knowledge and they're dealing with someone who does, their back is immediately against the wall. The car dealership is a good connotation. I, I, in my experience, it is oftentimes that if you're honest with someone and you're buying and selling as opposed to collecting, people get they're just instantly convinced you're going to fleece them. You're trying to take them. You're trying to rip them off. And that, and I can only speak for, for myself, but well, that's... Hold on. Uh, Mike, are you speaking for Canada? Are you speaking I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in generalities. And I think if you talk to, deal, to guys that buy and sell, they would agree with a lot of the things I'm saying. I've just, I don't know. I knew early on that I have a collection, but what I collect, no one else would really want. And I knew early on that I loved the thrill of the hunt. I got tired of, uh, with stuff. I, I wanted to find new stuff. That was what excited me. And the only way to do that was to, to, to buy and to sell. It doesn't mean I don't have passion for the stuff. It doesn't mean I don't love the stuff. But I just, I, I, I think where we're going now is with technology and things that everybody buys and sells. So that whole word dealer. I, it, 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 that's... That's a, you're admitting generalities, but there, there's a whole group of people that have contacted me over the years that say that they're mad at me because I, you know, put price guides out. Yeah. In reality, my uh, desire to put out price guides was, was to have a fair medium of exchange where people could trade or buy or sell and have, a, and, and not get taken advantage of. And what I would have thought that, because I was there back in those days you're talking about, uh, some of the days, the early days, when there really weren't price guides out there and people could buy collections for really cheap. And then you'd think when you fast forward to now, with uh, people can find out the prices of things they can get my old company's price guide. They can look at ComC and Beckett Marketplace, eBay, there's any number of places. Where, and you would think that would reduce or eliminate this problem you're talking about of the the uh, seller being taken advantage of or vice versa because of the lack of knowledge but in reality there are some amazing buys that people get where nobody tricked anybody they have the knowledge and they're selling for 10 cents on the dollar and uh, the seller yeah. set the price i'm just shocked because yeah. i would have thought it would have meant everything was sold for 50 cents on the dollar to where you'd you'd each person would get a good deal but the so is that what you're saying that that it's even worse than that? I'm, I, I'm saying there's always been a hypocrisy in this. Again, I'll go back to the word hobby, where when you're buying it, you always want to pay the lowest price you can. And when you're selling it, you always want to get the most that you can. And I find that's on the other side of the table. And listen, you should be savvy as a buyer. You should always try to get the best deal you can. But when you wear the other hat, you instantly forget that. If, if you're going to at the national convention and you're looking for a certain card and you're not a table holder, you'll shop and shop and you'll haggle and you'll, you'll barter and you will try to get the best price you can. If you were on the other side of the table at a show and you were selling and a guy was trying to do that, you would, you would, you would argue back and forth about the price. It's are you, just, you know, yeah. I'm saying that's bad. Basically, again, you're going against a couple I, things. I'm not I saying thought, that, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm saying that basically... I always thought that if somebody bought cards, they might not understand 
the position of the person selling the cards. But if they bought and sold, uh, just like the grading dilemma, if I'm, uh, I look at my card and it looks like a nine, if you're holding the card, if it's your card, I think it's an eight, that there's this human nature kind of thing. But I thought that was good. If somebody bought and sold, they would see that there's this uh, dilemma of how to price and wanting to get a good deal, which is all natural. But the, the other aspect, which also going back to car dealers, automotive, is that if there's a sense of repeat business desired, which I think there is in many cases in this industry, you've mentioned Ronald Villeneuve and, and some of the key Canadian dealers that the word travels fast if you're not a good guy. He had great stuff. He actually was pretty pricey, I thought. He, he wasn't, he had some great stuff, but it was fully priced. So I think if you want to stay in business, or if you want to be a successful collector or dealer, you need to pay fair prices and sell for fair prices. Is that? Are, are I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I just think it's, it's just interesting for me as we go along and I see a lot of young people in the hobby now, they're buying and selling. I think when we were doing it back in the day, Jim, we were more just buying. Like the, the selling part is much more of a, of, it's the yin and the yang now. Very few people collect and solely collect. Most people are buying and selling. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, and it's interesting that you touched on it, it's, it's sellers, it's, it's collectors when they have to sell, maybe realizing the other side of the coin and seeing some of the, the pratfalls, whether it's selling on eBay, whether it's taking your stuff to a show and walking around and seeing what the real market is like for your stuff, as opposed to what you think the market is like for your stuff. Just the mindset of a collector and a dealer and how to me that's morphing into one now. You gotta wear two hats now, you gotta be both. Well, that's not bad to wear two hats and then to have a broader hobby experience. And one of the reasons I wanted to have this discussion with you because we talked about what we might talk about and just the word dealer means different things to different people. There are people, depending on how you define it, it's, it could sound good or sound bad. Same thing with investor. There are people that really push back and say, the investing in cardboard is not, <laughs> there, there's something wrong with that. And then you got the whole issue of you know just knowing how to call this a hobby when it's a billion-dollar business. Don't you agree with that though? That word is charming, but irrelevant. It, it, it's not irrelevant. It's a, it's aspirational. Let's just say it's aspirational. If people want to think of this as a hobby, it certainly can be a hobby. But uh, many people have been seduced by the the headlines of these cards that they may have bought as a collector and it just the value went up to where they think wow would i rather have this card or would i have a rather have a new car and when it, when the prices get so outrageous then it makes you think it's not a hobby or it is an investment or i'm again dealer is not the word because dealer suggests that you maybe have a some permanence to it if they're a flipper or they're just going to buy and sell opportunistically again there's nothing illegal about it and it's the way a lot of these people uh, enjoy their hobby. The whole social media thing, there's a lot of our society now is wants, uh, if not immediate gratification, they, they don't want to wait 10 years for the card to go up. And, and to their amazement, cards have gone up in the last six months. Listen, I know we're, we reached the 15 minute point very quickly, but I wanted to get a point in before we did. I, this is what I see with young collectors. I, I'd like to get your uh, impression of it. I, I see young collectors as not, not getting emotionally invested in collecting. They want to buy it and they want to sell it. They want to know what it's worth. They want to know what they can get for it, just like you said, today. They're not buying a Luca card or a Zion card or a Connor McDavid card to put in a binder and put on their shelf and show their friends. They want to buy that card and sell it tomorrow. Just So do you think that's a good thing or do you think that's a bad thing? 
I think uh, you live in a free country that's north of the free country that I live in, and it's there's nothing illegal about it. It's it, again, I, I think we're. I'm really disappointed. The time just goes by fast when you're dealing with something that that is an interesting topic, but it just shows there. That's the way some of those people are defining hobby, and it's a more wholesome hobby than some bad things that uh, young people could be into. It's again, there's nothing illegal or immoral or unethical about it as long as they're not uh, defrauding somebody. But they love it, it. For some people, it could be, and I've done an episode on this. It could be a form of, in effect, gambling or day trading. It, it, well, the gambling. Uh, it, it's not that I'm endorsing that. I'm just saying it's a free world, and the different ways, the buy and hold strategy, which was what, again, like I said, I'm older than you, but you're also of the age to where back in the day you would collect sets, put them away, and 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 if you had extra cards, you might trade them off, but you might just hold on to them. And uh, the values have gotten up to be higher and the velocity of the trading and the movement of cards has been surprising even to me. So I'm not, I'm retired now, Mike, so I don't have a, a real uh, say. I have opinions, but I'm no longer the, the author or the publisher. And, uh, and I do hope that people enjoy their, their hobby or the industry. They can call it whatever they want to, but uh, obviously it's disingenuous. I agree to call it a hobby if you're out there flipping cards and having no concern or love for what you're collecting. I'll no connection. And, and, and maybe that's what we title this episode, Jim. What is the hobby or what is the meaning of that word? But I just, I, I don't think you would ever have thought, I didn't, that we'd see, I think this is like the early 90s right now. I didn't think we'd see another mainstream media boom where, you know, people are writing newspaper articles about the hobby or it's on the evening news with the Mike Trout cards and this and that. But the one thing people who didn't experience that early 90s don't realize is that did not last. That crashed spectacularly. We, we got to end on a high note, Mike. Okay. I, I'll have to come back to this with, with addressing. There are a number of parallels to the early 90s that are troubling. I do not deny that. But there are a number of differences, and I, I don't have time to get into them. I'll deal with it in another episode, but you've raised some interesting issues. Anybody that's in this uh, industry ought to be thinking about what they're doing, enjoying it. And like I said, I think it's the greatest, now that I've talked to you, Mike, i got to say it's the greatest industry in the world, not just the greatest hobby. But it's a hobby for me, but I'm retired. so I want to keep it light, and but it's an interesting topic. It's a different topic, and, and there's a lot of food for thought there. Yep. Thank you for the food for thought, Mike, my Canadian friend. I will be back again tomorrow with a, a different episode. And uh, again, thanks, listeners. See you tomorrow.